the failure to act with sufficient ambition to avert the climate catastrophe will be the greatest moral failure of our time. Making changes takes courage, and if we don't change things, we won't have a future. I'm an environmentalist. A lot of people don't understand that. I think I know more about the environment than most people. You have stolen my dreams and my childhood with your empty words. Change is coming, whether you like it or not. Zero Carbon East Off. Hello and welcome to Zero Carbonista. I'm Ian Collins. This series is all about the thoughts, campaigns and ideas of one man. Dale Vince is an entrepreneur and environmentalist. He built his success in the green energy sector. He's the owner of Ecotricity, the world's first green energy company and area he identified years before it was remotely on the political agenda, let alone dominating world events. And I suppose, Dale, we should start this episode really something that i thought was rather intriguing not because of what it said because of what it didn't say and that was when i heard um, heathrow talking about going carbon neutral I thought, wow this is massive aeroplanes are going carbon neutral this is going to be incredible there we are we've talked about this i don't know how many times on the sort of nine episodes we've done so far air travel being the one area that they're they're, they're really st- struggling with in order to address the environmental impacts and here's heathrow making this announcement they're going carbon neutral this has got to be good so we we looked into it a little bit more and um well all is not as it seems really because the airport lounge might be carbon neutral but the the airplanes aren't yeah i think actually there were a whole bunch of announcements on this front in the last uh, week or 10 days i would say and it's almost like the uh, whole airline industry has woken up to the fact that they're in the crosshairs of environmentalists you know that they've got uh They've got a case to answer because not only do they have big emissions now, they're planning huge growth. Uh, you know, like Bristol Airport, for example, in the last couple of weeks, its application to expand has been turned down. They can currently uh, take 10 million uh, passenger flights per year. They asked for expansion to 12, but they're planning to get to 20 by 2040. And Bristol is a city of 500,000 people. So it kind of makes no sense that they want that kind of growth. It's not for servicing Bristol at all, or or even even the surrounding area. And then uh, Heathrow came up with this bonkers announcement, as you say, that they're going to go carbon neutral. Sounded amazing. And then when you read it, it's for everything but the flights. (laughs) Well, that's the bit that (laughs) kind of got me. And that's what when I saw this, I thought, why is this story not bigger? The, you know, the, the Heathrow are going carbon neutral. This is incredible news. Um, I, I looked at the, the Wall Street Journal, the Washington Post. This is surely dominating world events. And then I realized it was, you know, essentially the the building as distinct from the actual aeroplanes. And, of course, yeah, so it's, that's, it's, that's sort it's of like easy, one of those, isn't it? Yeah, it's like one of those joke announcements, isn't it? Like BP last week said they were going to go carbon neutral by 2050, uh, but they gave no detail about that. And at the same time, they're going to keep investing in new sources of fossil fuels. It's kind of, you know, it's a bit of a joke. Heathrow are going to carbon neutralize everything except the flights, and the flights, of course, are pretty much everything. Mm. They, they're turning over something like £700 million a year, and what they're actually going to do is spend £1.8 million a year on some carbon offsetting in different parts of the world. Malaysia, I think, was one place. And, you know, that equates to something like two pence for every person that flies out of Heathrow. So that's just how big a commitment this is. So just give give us those figures again, Dad. They're turning over how much? 700 million. 700 million, and they're they're putting into the pot? In 2020, 1.8 million. And on rough maths, it's a couple of pence per flyer in the year 2020, which is, you know, I mean, it's... 
it's not even peanuts, is it? True. I mean, there might be people listening to this thinking, hang on a second, it, it's you guys that are out the loop here. Uh, the fact that uh, large airport, I mean, you mentioned Bristol there, um, and Heathrow, one of the busiest on the planet, that they must know something that you don't know, Dale. They, they must be satisfied, bearing in mind, if we follow all the predictions from the world of science about the catastrophic damage air travel will do, and we increase that. One has to, you haven't got to be a student of environmental studies to know that will create a greater impact, a negative impact. So are they working on the basis that, A, it's either cobblers, the whole story, and there's nothing to see here, which we know demonstrably from the world of science isn't true, or are they working on the basis that, well, by the time we get to, I don't know, 2030, someone will have come up with something that addresses all of this? I don't think it's either of those. I think it's greenwashing. This is a PR campaign. This is a, a guilty industry responding in, in you know, the only way they know how, probably, which is to engage in PR and say, yeah, we take our responsibility seriously for the long term, blah, blah, blah. We're taking steps. Um, and, you know, they're making the tiniest of, of efforts, really, to, to do something. Emissions from air traffic in the world went up by 30% in just five years in the last decade. Wow. 30% in five years. That's the problem. And, you know, these guys plan more growth. And I don't think they're worried about uh, what technology comes through or anything like that, because these guys are just in business. They're in business to make money. And this PR from them is about holding the climate crisis at arm's length and saying, yeah, look, we're doing plenty about it. Um, yeah, yeah. Because they're not. Like BP. You, you'd think that the, there would be a point then where governments have to step in and say, look, it doesn't, we don't care what you think is airports and all the various airlines. We'll come to Delta in a second, so there might be some good news in a story there. But the, broadly speaking, governments around the world, as far as I can see, you might know differently, I can't see any of them making any really proper, tangible, insistent decisions about what an airline or an airport can do. It's almost, yeah. we'll leave you to your own devices. Yeah, the problem is... It's all about the, the kind of dogma of business. Governments are as wrapped up in this as everybody in the industry is. They see jobs and growth and economic development all being intrinsically tied into the continuing growth of flights. Mm. And so, you know, you have a bizarre situation where one of the most polluting and fastest growing forms of pollution in the world pays no fuel tax. You know, we have this huge subsidy for people to fly. You can fly to Europe for, for less than you can probably drive to London. How, do, how does that make any sense? And not only do we give uh, the fuel subsidy to airlines, but we give uh, tax, uh, duty-free um, status to people that fly. Hey, can you imagine being stood at a bus stop? And every government says they want to encourage public transport. Can you imagine being stood at a bus stop and being offered duty-free shopping? Wouldn't that be amazing? Uh, I, I can't. But why not? The 702 not. is want... late, but your B&H is half price. I mean, it's... <laughs> if we want to actually encourage public transport, why are we making it so cheap to fly and giving duty-free uh, perks to people that fly as well? And here's an interesting stat for you, Ian. 15% of Britons take 70% of all flights. So the argument often used by the airline industry that cheap flights are good so that, you know, everybody can have an affordable holiday and mm. all that kind of stuff, they're nonsense. So it's not 50, borne out. It's a small group of people. 57% of Britons take no flights a year at all. That's wow. more than half of us. 
Is flying, could it be, how would it be more sustainable? What, what is it? Because we can sit here sniping from the sideline saying, look, this is clearly, these are the figures you've just mentioned. What you've just said there, uh, Dale, is, is, is really unarguable. And I don't think anyone with a straight face from an airline or government could come up with a, a reasonable response to it. But they would probably say, well, it's all very well sniping. What are the answers? Are there any answers? Yeah. Yeah, look, um, I'm not sniping. Transport is one of the big three issues. Energy, transport and food are the three. And we can see that when it comes to cars, electrification of those is well underway. We can see that uh, HGVs are coming out of R&D. Buses are on the roads now, electric buses. And and so flying is probably like the last big frontier. Is it solvable? Can we fly without carbon emissions? Mm -hmm. And I think electric planes are part of the answer. And they're in the skies now. There is an airline... Uh, operating in Canada, flying small electric planes. They they made them themselves. They retrofitted some of their existing fleet with wow. electric motors, which I think is an incredible thing to do. Mm. Um, but, but the two major um, world manufacturers, Airbus and Boeing, have both said that they will have commercial flights with electric planes in the next 10 years they won't be international flights for sure they'll be they'll be shorter haul than that sure. but electrification is part of the answer i think synthetic fuels may be uh, a bigger part of the answer uh, and that is where we can actually make the equivalent of fossil fuels from uh, carbon extracted from the atmosphere so that they're carbon neutral. That's a possibility. But what we must do is change the economic balance so that flying is expensive, that, mm. that actually the cost of flying reflects the environment cost of flying. A jumbo jet, for example, holds 230,000 litres of fuel, and it burns 1,000 litres every four minutes. We have to reflect that environmental cost in the cost of a ticket so that we can still fly for the trips and the occasions and, and the distances where a train or a, or a bus uh, just won't make any sense. It's about it's a combination of things. It's having electric planes for short trips. It's reducing the amount of flying that we do because 15% of us don't need to make 70% of all flights. Mm. And, and then it's about making the, uh, the remaining flights we, we take pay their way. And synthetic fuels will be expensive to make, but we've got to, we've got to end the tax breaks on, on fossil fuels so that synthetic fuels get a chance to enter the market and, uh, and get used to, to power flights. Yeah, it's got to be a point where somebody makes that, uh, f- eventually makes that leap. And just a final point before we go to some questions. Um, Delta Airlines, in, in fact, are, well, by the sounds of it, it sounds if like they are getting serious on this because they have pledged money to go net neutral. Yeah, that was the third big announcement of the last week or so. Delta have pledged $1 billion dollars. Uh, to take the actual flights carbon neutral, which is like a big announcement, but it's going to be over 10 years, so that's actually just $100 million a year. And uh, frankly, it's impossible to see how they can do that on that budget. Just before we do some questions, here's a clip of Donald Trump acting all dumb. I spoke to Secretary General yesterday, and uh, we had a great conversation. I think he was actually excited by it. And I actually had a name, NATO Right? And then you have M.E., Middle East. You're called Natomi. I said, what a beautiful name. Natomi. I'm good at names, right? USMCA. Like the song, YMCA. Everybody, nobody could remember USMCA. I said, think of the song, YMCA. Now everybody says it. They don't remember the previous name of a bad deal, okay? Commonly known as NAFTA. Now, uh, if you add the words, if you add the two words, Middle East at the end of it, because that's a big problem. That's a big source of problems. And NATO me. Doesn't that work beautifully, John? Think of that. NATO plus me. 
Uh, I said just before that, Dale, that he was acting all dumb. I'm not, I'm not sure there's any acting actually involved. Yeah, that made me laugh, actually. I mean, I've, that was my that was my reaction to that. That is you a... Know, this, this man's not acting. It, it, no, I mean, that's that surpasses his dishwasher rant. So um, <laughs> here we go with some questions. Uh, Mark on Twitter, interesting one. They're sticking with transportation. HS2, so it's been given the go-ahead. What is your stance, Dale, on HS2? Do the benefits outweigh the environmental damage? I haven't seen, actually, what the benefits are. You know, I, I don't know... Um, what the uh, you know the, the carbon savings are forecast as if they've even forecast them or whether or not this is just uh, one of those projects that's uh, more about politics than anything else but i do know that the price tag of 100 billion and climbing is an incredible price to pay and i think we could achieve a far bigger outcome in environment terms you know for, for that sum sure. of money than hs2 will uh this is from tanya on facebook any more info on that massive attack gig dale which i think we touched on in a previous episode yeah, news in today is that the uh, the tickets will go on sale on the 31st of March and the uh, pre-sales will be exclusive to Ecotricity customers and people that join Ecotricity and more details around all of that will be announced at the end of March by, uh, by us and Massive Attack. Perfect. Alice on Twitter says, will Ecotricity be involved in WOMAT again this year? Big success on that last year, of course. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I love WOMAD. And uh, what we're doing at the moment off the back of the massive attack gig and, and some other inquiries is we're, we're looking into the prospect of taking some battery containers to, to WOMAD and to other gigs. We're looking for a way to replace diesel gen sets from some of these gigs that don't have mains grid. So I'm hoping that if we... Uh, if we get cracking fast enough, come WOMAD, we'll, we'll be running our stage for the first time off of battery power and not diesel power. Fantastic. Um, and Jamie on Twitter says, I saw you driving an Audi e-tron the other week on social media channels. Would you buy one? Yeah, that was a, a little trip to meet with Chris Packham. And I have to say, I was super impressed by the car. It's amazing, um, isn't it? I was reading about yeah, it just really this weekend. It, yeah. yeah, I probably wouldn't buy one. You know, I'm happy with my... An i3 at the moment, mm-hmm. uh, and it's probably a bigger car than I need day to day because I just poop them around town, you know, from where I live to where I work. But it's a great uh, example a of car. direction of travel, isn't it, to coin a phrase, in terms of where yeah. cars are going. When companies this big are saying, this is where we need to go, you realise something's changing. Yeah, it's coming. And there'll be 70 models on the market this year in Britain, yeah. models of pure EVs, uh, which I think is just incredible. But this is the way the world is going. It won't be long before you can't buy an internal combustion engine car. Job done. Dale, we will speak on the next episode. Brilliant. Thanks, Ian. Have a good one. And that's it for this one. Don't forget, of course, you can subscribe for free from your podcast provider so that you can get each episode automatically. Don't forget, of course, to leave a review on there as well. Really important, too. Make sure you follow Dale on social media, twitter.com slash dalevince or facebook.com slash dalevince. And we'll see you on the next one. Zero. Carbon. East off.